right from the outset, I spoke out to utterly condemn the Black Lives Matter movement. Many people I knew threw their full weight behind them and even defended their violence, falsely claiming that that's the only way to elicit real change. I tried to warn them what was coming and I told them that violence never achieves anything productive. I cautioned that all that would happen was that poor black neighbourhoods would be destroyed, poor black businesses would be looted and set on fire, and that poor black people would be murdered. I said that their attacks on law enforcement would have calamitous consequences, that it would lead to a withdrawal by officers, and a reticence to tackle crimes in the areas most in need of help. This would lead to a sharp rise in crime and murder that would devastate communities, result in a spiralling death rate and ruin countless lives. I said that despite their attractive slogan, BLM were a bunch of juvenile, anti-Semitic Maoists. They were inveterate, clueless racists, committed to the destruction of capitalism, the nuclear family, the edifice of Western civilization, and the white race. I said they would increase resentment, division and racial tension, that nothing good would come from their campaign, but that it would result in colossal destruction. Well, the verdict is in, and I think we all know how it went. This doesn't make me Nostradamus. It's beyond obvious that discouraging police while encouraging crime invites disaster. And that sort of wanton stupidity could only be embraced by the willful blindness of the activist left. It's especially easy to predict because the left have been making the same mistake for generations. Take Che Guevara. Now he started out as a nice guy. A doctor who saw great injustice in the world, terrible poverty, vast disparities in wealth and who yearned to make the world a better place. But he came to the same solution and made the same mistake the most committed of left-wing activists always make. Instead of trying to help the poor to try and improve their circumstances, something he never even attempted, he just hoped to destroy the rich, to attack success. He simply looked to break the part of the world that was working. He became consumed with hatred for capitalists, the bourgeois, and Americans. He twisted into a nasty, snarling demagogue. And BLM have been making exactly the same mistake. They've done nothing at all to help black people. They haven't even tried. They've just poured hate, bile and scorn on white people. They've relentlessly attacked them and sought to break all their institutions. All the parts of the world that are working. Well... If you pour poison into the world, poison will come back out. And we're seeing the results of that now. Of course, all those who loudly supported BLM when it was trendy soon moved on and forgot all about it, as they always do. They'll quickly pick up the next dubious cause they're told to support, while the areas destroyed by their activism and ignorance will be picking up the pieces for years. It's difficult to even quantify the catastrophic failures of BLM. All that death and destruction came to pass. Dozens were murdered in riots and the virtual collapse in policing in numerous inner city areas led to a rise in the US homicide rate 
of close to 10,000. And all that invective, all that hate spread against white people has inspired some appalling vigilante lunatics to act on it. James O'Keefe of Project Veritas recently caught just one of those demagogues on camera, recording South Carolina Democrat Crystal Matthews bragging that black should treat white people like shit. Well, spreading about that sort of hate has real-world consequences. The left claimed the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict proved how racist America was. So Daryl Brooks, a BLM supporter, drove his car at high speed through a Christmas parade in a white suburb of Waukesha, Wisconsin. He killed six people and injured scores more. Mika Xavier Johnson also attacked the police in Dallas. He killed five officers and wounded nine more, as well as two civilians. Their rhetoric also provoked the Brooklyn shooting spree of Frank James and that of Ezekiel Kelly, the 19-year-old black man who went on a rampage against white people in Memphis. He shot four people to death and injured three more. And the very next day, more misguided black youths, whipped up by lies and anti-white rhetoric, were pledging to kill more white people. And the internet is littered with films of blacks attacking whites and screaming hate at them. Films that YouTube will bar me from showing you. But honestly, if you spread hate about a racial group, what did they think would happen? These are the sort of idiots inspired by all the divisive racist rhetoric of the left. And there will be many more to come. If BLM really want to help these communities, then they should encourage them to stop looting, to stop burning down their own neighbourhoods, and to stop shooting each other. Instead, that's the sort of behaviour they've actually encouraged. Why do alleged intellectuals like Robin DiAngelo and Ibram X. Kendi not realise that it's a bad idea to place race at the heart of everything, and to constantly reinforce the idea that society is predicated on division, racism, and abuse. Have they not heard of self-fulfilling prophecies? 20 years ago, racism was on the wane. Now, we're as divided as we were in the Jim Crow period, and all because of idiots like D'Angelo, who presumably lives in a nice white suburb where she counts the proceeds of her spectacularly lucrative career. The supporters of BLM then already have an awful lot of blood on their hands, of course, that won't bother their consciences at all. They'll never accept their part in encouraging that chaos, even though they were warned in advance exactly what was going to happen. But for all that chaos, you can't point to a single tangible improvement from the entire movement. Not one social scheme, despite the $100 million in donations they've received from their credulous supporters. But we do know all that money's gone to a good home. Literally. Several of them, in fact. Patrice Calors, one of the founders of the movement, spent over $3 million on four luxury homes before dismissing all criticism of her as inspired by racist, white supremacists. But it didn't end there, because BLM went on to buy an even bigger property, a seven-bedroom L.A. mansion costing a cool $6 million. 
That property has a recording studio, a two-bedroom guest house, and a luxury pool. And Kalors, Alicia Garza, and Melinda Abdullah filmed themselves in the property guzzling champagne. Garza sneered at her allegedly white critics that y'all don't know shit about what it takes to live in a box here. <laughs> Some box. For an organisation dedicated to radical wealth distribution, to help the disadvantaged, and to the complete dismantling of capitalism, it's a curious choice. Which is probably why they initially went through numerous suspicious-looking loopholes to hide it. On top of this, as a charity, BLM is required to list its expenditures and donations annually. But it's failed to do this for a few years now. Kalors again sneered that all her critics were racist and sexist, that the luxury mansion had been brought as a safe space for black people in the community, and she then quit the movement, presumably having better things to do with her newfound wealth. No charity work appears to have been done at the mansion, but it has been used for the leading members' private business practices, and Patrice hired her brother as head of security while approving her mother for a cleaning job there. In fact, Kalors paid her brother nearly a million dollars, and the father of her child was paid even more for creative services. Shalamia Bowers was also accused of stealing $10 million from BLM, and a lawsuit has been filed against him. It's perhaps unsurprising then that Lisa Simpson and Samara Rice, two mothers of victims of police violence, went public to condemn BLM. They said, We don't want or need y'all parading in the streets, accumulating donations, platforms, movie deals, etc., of the deaths of our loved ones, while the families and communities are left clueless and broke. Eloquently put. But what about all the leftist politicians who eagerly jumped on the BLM bandwagon? And what of all the calls to defund the police? Well, as predicted, that didn't go very well either. The left's attitude to policing and crime in the wake of BLM's campaign is seen in the ruination of dozens of Democrat-run cities and states. By encouraging low-level crime and drug use, the likes of San Francisco, Washington DC and Los Angeles are now awash with homeless drug addicts and rising crime levels. More worryingly, perhaps the greatest perpetrator of this ruinous idiocy, Gavin Newsom, is rumoured to have been positioned for the presidency. Nancy Pelosi has spent decades as the congresswoman for San Francisco, and in her time in power, she has grown immeasurably wealthy, while the city she presides over has become increasingly poor, unruly, dirty, and a significantly worse place to live. And worryingly, despite the transparent failings and the radical left's bulging catalogues of even worse crimes that littered a historical record, the Democrats look set to become more left-wing yet, and their credulous voters will still keep supporting them. One of the victims of radicalism is the spirit of self-criticism. The new generation can never admit to mistakes, so they'll just keep doubling down on them and worsening them. They'll just claim that the spike in gang violence in Chicago wasn't called by their policies at all. 
it was the nebulous threat of institutional racism. Democratic policies have led to a shocking crime wave in numerous regions. But let's look at Los Angeles and San Francisco, perhaps the two greatest epicentres of woke madness, where the damage wrought by adherence to the BLM line has been most acute. Chaser Boudin, the San Francisco district attorney, is the 41-year-old son of radical left-wing terrorists, members of the Weather Underground, who were jailed for their roles in a bank robbery in which two police officers and a security guard were murdered. Boudin was raised by other radicals and worked for a while for Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. When running for DA, he pledged to keep people, and he meant specifically black and brown people, out of prison. He scrapped cash bail, no longer prosecuted any minors as adults, no matter how vicious their crimes, and halted any prosecution of quality of life crimes like prostitution, open-air drug use and public defecation. He also made drug possession and theft of goods less than $950 a misdemeanour rather than a felony, thus effectively removing the risk of prosecution. The results were predictable. There was a tsunami of crime and antisocial behaviour in the city, and the same policies, rolled out in Los Angeles by DA Gascon, saw the same pattern emerge. Some of the cases were truly nauseating. A serial criminal in San Francisco, Troy McAllister, an African-American, was repeatedly arrested for burglary and driving stolen cars. But Boudin's office refused to prosecute him, and he kept getting released. Then he stole another car drove over two women as they crossed the street, and killed both. But perhaps the most appalling example is that of Adrian Gonzalez. He lured his eight-year-old neighbour, Maddie Middleton, to his flat with the promise of ice cream. Then he attacked her, raped her, strangled her, stabbed her in the neck, and wrapped duct tape around her mouth. He sealed her up in bin bags and stuffed her in the trash. When he dumped her in the bin, Manny was still alive. But unable to escape, she suffocated. All the legal and medical experts who examined Gonzalez said they had never encountered such a warped and dangerous individual. But Gonzalez lives in California. And because of the liberal legal reforms introduced by the Democrats by fools like Gavin Newsom, he was jailed for just four years, and he'll be back on the streets very soon. In Democrat-run cities, car theft, burglaries and muggings have rocketed. Shoplifting has become an epidemic. Attacks on Asian Americans skyrocketed too. Homelessness, drug use and public defecation are everywhere. California is effectively rewarding such activities. Demoralised police officers are retiring in cities like these, and in New York and Chicago, where the murder rate has soared. New recruits are not coming forward. This is the catastrophe wrought by the Black Lives Matter and the Defund the Police campaigns. It's been an unmitigated disaster, but its like will be repeated because people like catchy slogans and simple-sounding solutions, rather than really thinking through an issue. 
And these issues are still going on. When BLM activist Quintez Brown shot at the Jewish politician Craig Greenberg, he was initially bailed and walked free. And it took a protracted legal battle to get him back in jail. But maybe the tide is turning for now. Maybe even left-wing voters are waking up. The people of San Francisco have risen up and removed Boudin. And LA looks set to vote in Rick Caruso as mayor. A no-nonsense, zero-tolerance Republican in Democratic clothes. Time will tell on that front. But on BLM, the judgement is in. And their failings are so undeniable that even the England football team are now claiming that they never actually supported them at all. And they're still bloody kneeling, though. If you want to support this channel, please like, subscribe and think about buying my books. They're called The Tyranny of the Left and they go into topics like this in much greater detail. They're available on the links below. Please do feel free to pick them up and let me know what you think. Thank you.